This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Welcome to episode nine of The Nth Dimension. I am Shreya, or the Shrey, pick what you please. Um, and today, usually this would be a What's Up World episode. And uh, actually, cha- I was going to do one, but on my way here, I changed my mind. And now it's just become a response to a to an Australian Q&A panel uh, with a lot of people, the most prominent one being Jordan Peterson. Um, so uh, the Australian uh, Q&A is an Australian show, uh, which is a, which includes a panel of uh, so-called experts, quote unquote experts or quote unquote leaders. And um, they have a theme and the pe- people in the audience or people from anywhere in the world no, wait, only people in Australia, they send a question related to the theme and the panel answers answers them uh, in a one minute uh, time time bracket. So this, um, this Q&A that I picked up is from February and it was more or less based on identity. But before I go into that, I wanna tell you something amazing and super cool that happened to me yesterday. Uh, just as a reminder, um, that sometimes asking gives you lemons and then you get to drink lemonade. And on that note, I will never, I have never understood what, what, what the whole, uh, when life gives you lemon, make lemonade, uh, cliche. Do you know, Alex? Yeah, I've heard it so much, but I have no idea what it means. When life gives you lemon, have lemonade. Yeah. But you can make lemonade. But you can make, okay. Yeah. And on a fresh, sunny day, you will be (laughs) energized. Okay, cool. Not questioning that. Um, But, anyways, I uh, work part time as a barista at this place called Fahrenheit in in Toronto. Um, And yesterday was my first Saturday shift. I have never worked a Saturday before at Fahrenheit. Um, I know I don't need to add like mystical coincidences to the story, but I love them. So since this is my story, I can sparkle it however I want. (laughs) So anyways, I was uh, at the cafe and it's a very uh, casual chit chatty coffee bar. So I was talking to a customer who was from the States and I and I knew that because he signed the receipt, got to talking to him. Turns out he's the stage production manager for Michael Buble. So Shreya being Shreya, I asked him, can I get a ticket? And at first he said no, uh, but but by the end of my shift and his time at Fahrenheit, he said, actually, I had message. I didn't just want to say yes and then not uh, deliver on my promise. So I ended, I ended up going to uh, Michael Buble's show in Toronto yesterday. And it was an amazing seat because I sat right in the front center floor. Um, not that I'm a great Michael Buble fan, but hey, who's going to turn down a free show, right? Um, but it was actually a really nice show and Michael Buble, uh, kind of warmed my heart because he seemed like one of those artists who totally respects his humble beginnings and acknowledges that, uh, the stardom that he has currently is, uh, he owes a lot to his fans. Um, and I think if celebrities acknowledge how much, uh, 
fat, how, how much love fans give them. And that's why they are the celebrities they are. Um, I think that, that, that requires a lot of, uh, courage and just to be grateful for, for where you are. And I saw a lot of that in his show, which I really appreciated. Uh, but also nice orchestra happening in the back. So all in all great show not complaining. So, uh, the, the moral of the story is, if you ask, you shall receive. Um, anyways, so moving on to the to today's episode, where I decided to do this response. And the reason I decided to do this was because a lot when I was listening to it, a lot of the questions uh, from the panel were, uh, were from men, um, and they were asking about feminism in Australia. And, it, and, I, and I thought, I was a little taken aback because... Um, in a in a developed quote unquote developed economy democracy like Australia, you don't expect such um, such regressive questions and comments, but but there they were. Um, so I'm just I've I've picked I haven't I've I've mostly picked up uh, the questions on feminism, which were which was the first 15 minutes of the show, and I of course will post the link of the show on my own. Uh, Twitter uh, post and as well as on the description on TalkShoe. So the first question uh, was by um, a gentleman who said it was directed to Jordan Peterson, but of course everyone else in the panel contributed as well. Uh, the question first to Jordan Peterson was your rise to global stardom. Millions of people, particularly young men, regard you and look at you as a savior. What do you think they need saving from? Um, at first, Jordan Peterson's response was that he thinks, and I kind of I do agree with him. He said that uh, he feels everyone, every person has intrinsic value that they bring to life. Totally true. Everyone out there has insight and is smart and has some value to add to life. Um, and he said that, but uh, along the way, people have, leaders and experts have not done a credible job of drawing a relationship between meaning and life uh, that one needs to sustain themselves and the responsibility, not just for one's own life, but also for greater society. Uh, so you're going beyond individualistic um, desires and aspirations, but also contributing in a manner that um, that does greater good, I suppose. Um, but then uh, the host pushed back and said, well, the question was, what do you think men need saving from? And, uh, his his response was very um, academic in a way, and I and I dislike it when people in academia try drop a lot of uh, empirical evidence and a lot of data and a lot of uh, complicated language that takes away from the point that they're, that they're trying to make um, because the common person is not going to does not uh, know a lot of experts in 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 scientific fields or academia, and they're just looking for a straight uh, living room conversation kind of answer, which I feel that people in academia often forget. So he said that um, men need saving from feminism. Uh, rest, uh, they, need, they, they, need an, uh, they need some sort of existential rescue, rescuing uh, since the advent of feminism. This is not his full uh, sentence I've obviously paraphrased and, um, maybe my interpretation of it is, is incorrect. Um, 
Yes, since the uh, since the onset of new age feminism as we know it, especially after the um, Me Too movement and which sort of brought people, which brought women together globally in terms of um, a global feminism movement. Yes, sure, we can say that uh, men are facing an identity crisis, um, perhaps because they no longer understand their place of privilege in the world that was granted to them as uh, as as if on a silver plat platter. And that is no longer the case because um, especially in certain parts of the world more so than others, um, but women are being taught to push back and challenge. And, um, and even if they're unable, even if women are unable to push back and challenge men and situ patriarchal situations, um, at least they can still learn and get inspired from others on the internet and and push back on the internet if if nothing else so if in that sense men are facing an existential identity crisis because their place of privilege is being challenged then sure uh do they need saving from anything no um because we globally predominantly we still live in a very patriarchal system and just because movements like Me Too have begun scratching the surface of uh, patriarchy, patriarchy and challenging the pedestal that men have been granted um, historically up until now, um, I'm not sure whether they need saving from it. They need to understand that, that we're going through a transition um, of race, sex, sexuality, the intersection of race, sex, and sexuality, and that is going to... Uh, change the balance of powers, uh, which no one needs saving from. You just need to learn how to adjust yourself to it. Um, on that note, I would like to say that um, at some point, uh, Peterson said that if people think that the West is an oppressive patriarchy, then that's an absurd proposition. Um, in one sense, it is an absurd proposition. And in one other sense, it's not. Um, and I feel like I can add some something more than just like white noise to this is because of my own experience of living in India and also living in other countries like Canada and also having lived in the UK, having lived in South Africa, having lived in the UAE. I feel like I have experienced different parts of the world enough to say that um, that women face similar challenges no matter where they are, even if they are in countries like England and Canada, similar developed uh, countries, there there are nuances of of um, masculine toxic masculinity and and pa patriarchy that doesn't even escape places like this. I'll give you a very small example. Um, Catcalling and wolf whistling is very common in uh, New Delhi, if not in other parts of India. So one expects it. A woman expects it walking down the road. However, uh, I do not expect it when I when I live in when I live in cities like Toronto or when I live in when I when I used to live in Sheffield or uh, for a br brief period of time in London. Um, it's also somewhat expected in Sharjah. Um, so when I say that we're still living in uh, a suffocating patriarch uh, masculine world, I I don't understand why men feel entitled to. Uh, wolf whistle and cat call even in Toronto uh, if if it if if the city's not not crowded. I go to work at a at 
at a very early hour. So I'm walking to work at 5.30 in the morning. It's relatively empty compared to, uh, let's say, nine o'clock when everyone else is going to uh, work. Um, and my experience has been that I have been catcalled and wolf, wolf whistled seven out of 10 times. Um, so um, no, but I suppose it, I suppose men feel the privilege to do this because their bad behavior won't be called out, uh, which can be in a, in a more crowded place. So um, maybe women in developed countries are more free in terms of what they can wear and how they can participate in society, which may not be the case in countries like India even now, although things are changing at a very fast pace, even in, especially in urban cities, but they still experience um, uh, discrimina discriminatory behavior in corporate spaces and, and in urban cities. Um, and what I, what I said is just, just an example of that. Um, <clears throat> one panelist made an extremely interesting point and, and one that I completely agree with. And she said that it was Van Badham. She's a writer and activist in Australia. Um, and she said that it was the neo neoliberal structures of society that we live in that have uh, smashed communities and that have led to the, um, the loss of identities that people are feeling all around the world. Because, um, because we do live in a very, we do live in a capitalist economy that that um, that determines who we are in society by the work we do, and I suppose by the money we have, how high we live on a condo floor, or the fancy car we drive. A lot of these uh, materialistic factors determine how much I'm appreciated in society. Um, if these are the determining factors, um, and 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 if historically white men were given this privilege more so than any other. Uh, race or gender or sex then and if these norms are being challenged then uh, then it does lead to an existential crisis because you no longer know uh, how to function in society that tells you that who you are and what you are is determined by your materialistic assets um, so I certainly do uh, believe I certainly do agree with people like um, Russell Brand and Van Batham, that neoliberalism structures are the reason why people around the world are suffering from a uh, crisis of meaning um, and uh, more, more so. And, and now when um, movements like Black Lives Matter and movements like Me Too challenge that, then, then it is bound to shake some people's uh, floors and ceilings. Um, the next question, if you hear page turning, then that's because today I have uh, written everything out rather than come prepared on my laptop, uh, going back to forms of writing. I love, I, I still love writing. I much, if, if I'm penning down a poem or, or doing some writing, I still love the whole uh, sensory feel of, of holding a pen and working with paper rather than typing my thoughts out on a laptop. Completely digressing. Um, I would also like to say that I'm not doing this episode because I feel like I have any, uh, any sort of expertise or or any or anything to or anything to add other than the fact that I have opinions on this and I uh, have a platform to share my opinions uh, in a living room style conversation, which I would otherwise be doing with friends. 
Um, and I'm simply out here voicing my thoughts and opinions and um, hoping to stretch um, perceptions and arguments and, and just create a sense of discussion. So if you're listening, then I'm hoping to, you know, just spark off ideas in your, in your head um, more than anything else. Um, another panelist to the same question, Alex Hawk, I believe he has something to do with the labor movement and, or the labor party in Australia said that quote, worst is the more than physical violence, worse is violence of can be of the mind. Um, sorry, his title is special minister of state. That's right. Um, and he, he felt the need to point out that he has three young boys. Okay. Um, and he said, boys growing up are being told that men have done the wrong thing historically, and they are losing their identity. Feminism, feminism has become a movement to overtake masculinity and that he is scared for his young boys growing up in this world. Um, I'm not sure if you can hear the, the snarkiness in my voice, but I was very much rolling my eyes when I, when I heard him say this because, uh, I mean, you, you need to be a, a certain level of daftness to say these things on national television. Um, I mean, men have done a lot of wrong historically. There is no denying that. Uh, I mean, you, there, there is no denying that historically men with property had so much power and so much privilege and they used it for their benefit. That was the world we were living in um, and change was bound to happen. And now we are going through that transition. So instead of denying that uh, historically men have perpetrated harm, let's acknowledge it and then move on from there. Uh, they're acknowledging and acknowledging it does nothing but add uh, more value to uh, the the day-to-day -day parlance we're having. Um, and feminism is not a movement to overtake masculinity. It is, it, it's not, it's, it, in fact, it, it, if done, if done properly, feminism is a movement that will de-shackle men from, from their, from the, from the patriarchal shackles that they are living in, which is that men cannot cry, that men need to be caretakers, that they need to be, uh, sorry, that they do, that they need to be bread earners. These are pressures that, that men face as well. And it is from the same patriarchal system that tells women that they are, uh, caretakers more than anything. Um, so feminism is actually granting equality to everybody and not just women. Um, I don't know why that, that is so often lost in, 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 in discussion and, and feminists are branded as this like man hating, uh, men hating in individuals. Um, and then because people feel that they can make an argument better with so-called empirical evidence, he went on to say that let us, uh, look at the empirical evidence that boys are falling behind in primary schools and universities and have the highest rate of suicide, youth suicide. Um, <clears throat> okay. Did some research. Um, yes, boys in Australia are falling behind in school and suicide is the 10th leading cause of death for males in Australia. All right. Granted that this is the case. Uh, when it comes to boys falling behind in school, well, women are being encouraged to um, 
to aspire to whatever they want to be, whoever they want to be. And if that aspiration is leading them to work hard and earn better grades in school, then excellent. Um, then boys just need to work harder in school. I, I, I mean, this might be, this is right off the top of my head and this might not be um, the best, best argument, but if boys are falling behind in school, then work hard. Um, there is no shortcut to getting an A plus on your science test or your English test than working hard. Um, I'm so sorry for all the snarkiness in my tone, but I'm, uh, I get extremely irritable when I hear such, uh, daft arguments, but I do apologize for my snarkiness right now. Uh, I will try and do better for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I felt the need. Alex, I'm so sorry. I'm being so snarky right now. <laughs> Um, so anyways, um, one thing that I found interesting was that though men, um, are, are, though men commit more suicides than women, women are more likely to attempt suicide than men, and they're more likely to be diagnosed with depression. Um, one of the reasons I think maybe that men commit suicides more than women is that I, for off the top of my head, I feel that men are not told to, uh, are not taught to talk about their emotions as much as women. And, um, I feel that, I feel that men are more emotionally stunted than women. Um, if you're going to ball everything up in inside and you're unable to seek assistance and, you know, one thing can lead to another. So off the top of my head, I do feel that, uh, from a very young age, both men and women need to be encouraged to have uh, emotionally difficult conversations um, and, and communicate um, in order to avoid uh, self-harm, intentional self-harm. So, uh, so Alex Hawk, who said this, missed this nuance that, um, that men may may be committing suicide more than women but women are more likely to attempt suicide and um i this has the fact that men do this commit suicide more than uh women has nothing to do with feminism it has absolutely nothing to do with feminism um and let's also acknowledge that australia has some of the highest rates of domestic violence against women in the world one woman a week in australia is killed by her partner or former partner. So it's actually um, the rigid uh, ideas of gender and how being a man translates into who we become in the world or how, become, or, or how being a woman translates into how I move and act in the world that lead to problems like domestic violence and suicide. Um, I feel that men automatically feel entitled to a certain level of power. And when that power is challenged, then, then they need to push back and perhaps that leads to pushing back physically. Um, so feminism is not to be taken. The movement of feminism is nothing personal. It's not targeted at any one man. It's not targeted at any one woman. It's not a personal issue. It's just about changing the structural, structural um, stilts of, of society and they will benefit everybody because men too are suffering from, uh, patriarchal shackles and I, and I and I and I said this before I'm repeating myself but but f the movement of feminism is bound to benefit everybody um <clears throat> so the next question was by a young gentleman 
in the audience. Um, takes a lot of courage to ask difficult questions. So um, he said, with modern feminism fighting for equality between the genders, why is it that some feminists would ignore the issues men face when it comes to gender inequality? Why aren't they doing more to address many father, that many fathers don't get joint custody or or any custody at all, or that men are statistically more likely to commit suicide. Why don't we acknowledge that? Um, so some of the things were already, I addressed the suicide part, especially I addressed in the last question comment. Um, and Van Baden actually said this. She said that men are not oppressed because they are men. Very true, though she was challenged by a certain member, Alex Hawk uh in in the panel but she's but i think she's right men are not oppressed because they are men they may be oppressed because uh because of their race because of their uh sexuality ethnicity but they are not oppressed for being a man maybe a black man is oppressed because he's a black person or um a sikh man is oppressed because he wears a turban or a muslim man is oppressed because he's muslim but but men are not oppressed for being men because if you put, let's say, um, two two people of the same ethnicity or race in the room, one man, one woman, the woman will most probably end up being more oppressed than 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 her male counterpart. Um, so, and I and I and I don't think that, and it goes and this this question goes back to the fact that feminism is not just fighting for uh, it is fighting for the rights of women because they have been historically sidelined. I mean, let's let's just acknowledge how uh, how it, it's only recently that women were given the right to vote. It, it's not that soon ago in our uh, trajectory of of being human. So um, and so it, so going back, feminism is not about it's not just for women. It, it's about changing the structures of society so that everyone can benefit equally um another question sorry i'm just gonna I, I was also taking notes of tweets uh that were popping up um while the while the show was going on and one of them was was that and i mean it's true it was so simple but it's true like what damage has feminism actually caused other than the fact that it's made some members of society more uncomfortable than others and that it's started calling out bad behavior uh, for that, that needed to be called out many years ago, but now it's being called out. So if, if that makes certain people uncomfortable or the fact that men cannot, uh, cannot, cannot any longer function at the workplace or in society as they used to, then, then, then honestly too bad for you. Um, so other than making people uncomfortable, what damage has it honestly caused? Um, and then, at, and now I just want to also, take a look at some of the comments that were being made on YouTube, because I think that also sheds light to how, um, how we feel that we have advanced so much in society, but we really have not. Um, like one of the comments was, uh, love how nine times out of the 10, the only people refusing to stop talking when their time is up are the two feminists. Or double standard alert, if a man were to do this to a woman in a debate, guess what he would automatically be labeled as by the media? A misogynistic, oppressive male. Goddamn, her sarcasm isn't welcome in a debate. Please be more professional and show your peers some respect. Um, and then 
how ironic when talking about how feminists are trying to put down men, the feminists on the panel trying to argue that they don't keeps interrupting and trying to put down the man, pointing out why there are valid points for this. Um, the lady in the red coat is a typical politician, clueless about facts or reality. So just, sorry, daft woman audience member gets owned twice by Jordan, then shakes her head like a dope when Jordan makes valid points and audience applause him. Your ma'am are brainless. You ma'am are brainless. So anyways, just, I was reading these comments and I was just, it, 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 it surprises me how, uh, how we, we feel that we have progressed so much as society, yet we're still making such um, press comments about, about each other. Anyways, what, the next comment, uh, the next question was from a mother, I suppose, a woman. It was a very heartening question. She said, she asked, the role of a stay-at-home mother full-time is, ad do you think that the role of a stay-at-home mother full-time is adequately valued in society? Um, I thought this was a really nice question because I think it goes back again to the whole, uh, how neoliberal structures have determined uh or try to determine who we are in society and they are they do create um ex crises of existentialism in people and um if 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 you go to a party for example one of the first things that people ask you is what do you do so and that automatically puts you on a scale uh in 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 the in the conversation in terms of perception um, so in that sense, I suppose the role of women as caregivers is not valued because if you are, people will just, people might shirk you off for being a stay at home mom without, um, understanding how valuable it is to a child, um, in the, in, in the early years of a child's life. So, um, I, I personally would blame the capitalist structures for, again, once again, putting my, putting putting the value, placing the value of a human being on whether they are earning enough money or uh, doing supposedly cool things in life. Um, and one of the tweets that was mentioned in this comment, I thought was super funny, uh, said, real problem now is stay at home, adult kids. I thought that was really funny because that's actually happening a lot as people can no longer afford uh, housing. Young people can no longer afford housing. They're moving back with their parents. Um, but this also, this question I feel also ties back to feminism in a way because women are still um, pegged as, the nat as natural caregivers of a child, uh, which is not true. I remember when I was writing an article for India Times when I used to work there on why India needs to introduce paternity, paternity leave. Um, one of my interviews, interviewees said, um, and it, and it stuck with me because it, it it opened my eyes to a new line of thought. She said, the role of sex stops as soon as the child is born and after uh, breastfeeding and the role of gender begins. So um, after that is society that has said that a, that a woman needs to spend more time with her child because that's what that's how the child will grow up into being the best human being and not the father. Um, but and and I and I remember interviewing a certain person in India named Knall, and he told me that he actually uh, left his job when his when his child was born because he wanted to spend time with his child. And he remembers, and he remembers people uh, remembers people um, looking at him with with a certain sense of uh, judgment and skepticism. So people society will also look down 
on men more so in some parts of the world than others for for opting to stay at home to take care of their child for 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 a long period because apparently this is outside the purviews of a of a man's role um and the last question that I'm going to look at is, uh, was one about individual responsibility versus collective responsibility. Um, I thought it was a really interesting question. The lady asked something on the grounds of what, what is my individual responsibility or how am I, uh, or how can my individual role contribute to ending things like climate change? Um, and this was not done on purpose. Now I, 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 I'm, it, it's coming to me now. Literally every single episode up until now has spoken about climate change. So this is just coincidental. How can it be that we don't talk about climate change on the nth dimension? Uh, because I do think that it is the greatest existential threat that we face. I mean, if we don't have a planet to sustain us, then how will, uh, homo, how will human beings sustain themselves? So, um, some of some of the um, some of the things that the panel said, like Jordan Peterson said that, um, and I sort of agree with him. I mean, you uh, you sort of you need to have your own uh, basic life necessities figured out in order to create a greater social, in order to even think about greater social change. So, for example, if I don't have a roof over my head, it's that um, self-actualization triangle. I can't remember. Merlot's triangle, triangle. I can't remember the name now, but it's the self-actualization triangle, um, where if you have a roof over your head, you have enough food to eat um, and clothes to wear, that's when you can start thinking about greater aspirations. And then when your greater aspirations are met, that's when you can start thinking about society um, and um, other ways to, to, to make yourself into a better human being. So, Sure, if those things are met, then we can start doing other things. But I think uh, individual responsibility can be as small as turning down a straw, a plastic straw, uh, or it can be as small as um, reducing your uh, consumption of plastic or turning off your electricity, buying less, um, in voting, engaging with your local politicians. These are all acts of individual responsibility that can uh, create bigger change. Um, and it's actually what, something that I'm going to talk about in another episode with a guest on uh, deeds of grassroots activism and, and, and its importance. Um, but civil disobedience historically has created um, widespread change. And there is, there is no reason why we can't do why individuals can't come together on issues that they believe in to to change the bigger picture. Um, so super interesting, interesting questions. Uh, I still haven't gotten over the the fact that these um, questions, especially on feminism, which, which I felt that people feel attacked by the movement, uh, are coming or came from a developed a uh, quote unquote developed country like Australia that uh, people in countries like India or um, parts of Africa will look up to and aspire to. Um, so that that was very interesting to me and and that's why I wanted to do do an episode on it. Um, and I hope you've had a great week.
Um, and until next time, keep engaging with the world. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.